The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 61, for July 17th, 2006. Yeah, so it's July 17th, which means that the iCal icon is correct today and today only. It says July 17th right on it. Right? If you go into your uh, you know what I mean? Hi. I'm Dave I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. This is the Mac Observer's Hi. Mac Geek Gab. But I thought it changed when it, you launch it. It changes when you launch it, but if you go to it but if when you, it's in the dock. There you go. Or or if you just go to the, you know, applications uh, folder there and and click on iCal, you'll see mm. it says uh, July 17th. So, it's actually correct. Today, now, if you're listening to this now. So you folks on the West Coast actually now. have a better chance of picking up on this piece of advice this year. Everybody, of course, will have the opportunity to do it next year. But this is the year and the people on the West Coast simply because they've got more time for it to be today. But, it's, of course, it's today regardless of when you're listening to this. Or, but you know what I mean. Or you could hack the icon. Though I don't know where it lives, but that'd be something fun to find out. Make your own. But you could, yeah. Actually, it'd be really easy to hack that icon, wouldn't it? You just which resource file it's. I, I don't. I don't. They don't. I don't think you have to do that. I think you can just do a get info on it, right, and uh, paste something new over it. Right. Hi- highlight it. Get info. Highlight it. Copy it. Go to what your favorite graphic editing app du jour. Do your thing, and then come yeah. back and paste it in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's not very geeky. I'm thinking of getting in the bowels of the operating system. and uh, But, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they make an app called Colonoscopy to get into the bowels of the operating system? How come no one's written that yet? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Enough of that. Moving right along. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. We have, uh, we have a lot on the calendar, so to speak. Uh, we've got... Well, all kinds of stuff. I was I was away last week, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the technology issues that uh, or, or that lack popped thereof. Up. Yeah, well, it was interesting, but uh, we'll talk about that. We've got some some uh, various topics to to address here. Some more info on HDTV from uh, from you folks, and some Skype stuff, and all sorts of good stuff. But first. We're going to start with uh, a thing from Jason, because he really wants to know. Hi, guys. This is Jason in Waco, Texas. I'm kind of new to the Mac scene, so I have what may be a dumb question, but uh, I'm going to throw it out there anyways. Uh, my first Mac actually was given to me. It's an eMac, 700 megahertz, and kind of a slow dog. So is it true that with a Mac, you upgrade the memory, can I, I can go to a maximum of one gig on that machine, is it worth it, or should I stay with 512? What are your ideas? Also, is it possible to use one of those processor upgrade cards to give the machine a little more ohm? Uh, any input you have would be appreciated. Um, thanks very much, and if you wanted to email my... We don't need to email. We'll just tell you now. Uh, the uh, As far as the RAM, I think both John and I agree. The more the merrier, and 512 ain't enough, right? Is that... Uh, is that your your feelings on this as well, John? I concur wholeheartedly. Now, some machines um, see different amounts of memory, and the eMac is no exception. I think you we both did some research on this. Mm-hmm. So, five twelve puny, 
The more the merrier. The more now, the merrier. Um, I'd, I'd go to the now, gig. With, without question, my, my advice for anyone running OS 10 these days is gig is the minimum. Uh, cer- now, certainly oh. you can get by with less than that, but you're going to see a speed increase. <clears throat> Most people will see a speed increase up to a gig. Beyond that, you may or may not, depending on exactly what it is you're doing with your machine, how many apps you like to have yeah. running, et cetera, et cetera. So. Now, oh, Dave, how can I tell how much memory to put in my computer? I'll tell you. Wow. <laughs> you go right ahead. Uh, Apple.com slash support slash uh, oh. the name of your machine, PowerBook, uh, right. Emacs, stuff like that. Or if you go to support and then specifications, that's a better section. So okay. Apple homepage support specifications. Now the Emacs says, okay, now here's what it says in reality, but there are a couple of different Emacs and uh it says for all the models, one gigabyte, right, Dave? Yeah. I think you, you came across that. Yeah. Though a lot of times when they introduce computers, they will usually specify the largest chip at the time because some point in the future, uh, there may be bigger chips for that type of a machine. And from what, I, from what I could find by looking online, the eMac is no exception. The latest one can actually take two gigs maximum. So it's still limited because especially the high-end Apple machines typically are not limited. While they also have like eight, four, eight right. RAM slots, or I believe this machine has two. two. But based on That's the info right. I found online, if you got a 2005 eMac, which I think was the last uh, PowerPC one, it can see two gigs. Correct. That that's that's what uh, I, I always go to the folks at Trans International, transintel.com. Oh. oh yeah, they're and, great. Yeah, and I and just I mean they don't have the information out there explicitly saying you know here's what uh, it, it, it's not in a document documentary documentary form. Uh, is that a word? It is today. It's July seventeenth after all. Uh, but if you go and look up your machine out at Trans International, they will tell you what they have found to be the maximum and the, the configurations that work. Crucial is another good place to go. They've got a good memory configurator there. But their configurator, in my experience, I've found has been limited to what Apple's specs say it is. Now, Crucial also guarantees that whatever you buy will work in their machine if you use their configurator. So that's probably why they've, they've chosen to go that route. Um, that doesn't mean that you couldn't buy Crucial RAM to put in your Mac uh, beyond what the Apple specs say. But uh, but I always go to Trans International. Those guys, they spend a lot of time researching what uh, what works and what doesn't. And uh, and I don't believe they've ever steered me wrong. So they don't pay me to say point, that. But. <laughs> I thought at one point they wrote an application, but I guess it's kind of hard to keep up with that stuff. Well, I actually have to poke around. They but might I, have. I, I know I've seen a couple of applications, so they usually come and go, that... You know, because the the thing is, there's always new machines, and and there are these you know unexpected things where Apple says this much, and in reality, they over-engineered it a little bit. Which you know, when yep. you think about it, all right, I'm going to have a platform for a while, and I assume you know Moore's law and all that fun stuff that things right. are going to get better and faster and and all that. Well, let me put in a little extra capability, like to see the address lines on the bigger memory when it comes out. Yep. Um, or you can be cheap, and you know. Uh, which, you know, I've seen that on PCs. That's frustrating. Uh, on uh, and, and Dave being one of the foremost Windows experts on the planet, you said that at one point, right? And you just said it now, so it's <laughs> got to be true. That means it's been on the Internet not once but twice. So, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't get any better than that. But I've seen that on PCs a lot of times. They'll limit the RAM almost, uh, at least on the really bargain basement ones, to 
the RAM it comes with. And you put in anything else, so it'll be like, maybe it'll see it, but it'll be like, well, I see it, but I'm going to ignore it because right. right. cheap. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, certain RAM won't be recognized, and that's just, we, we've all run into that over the over the years. So his, his the second half of his question was, what about processor upgrades? And th- there's some interesting stuff I found. Uh, I found the Apple eMac upgrade guide, which, of course, we will link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's actually some resistors that uh, – some jumpers, rather, <sighs> that you can move or cut, I guess, and uh, cut or solder to change the bus speed and, therefore, the effective processor speed of the eMac. And it seems like you can actually overclock it simply because the, the processors, like John said, are overengineered. They, they are underclocked uh, when they're shipped. Of course, the warranty, you know, out the window as soon as you even yeah. think about doing this. But uh, it, I'll, I'll put the link out there in the show notes if, if anyone is a, an enterprising soul or, or just a fan of taking risks with your hardware. This is uh, this is the way to go. So. Yeah. And, yeah, I saw people write in and say, yeah, I tried it and my machine would lock up. So right. tolerance on my processor is, is yeah. rather small. Th- that's um, right. That, you know, that's a good point. Every processor, even if you've got, you know, a, a, a sheet of 100, you know, 1 gigahertz processor, let's say, they're not all 1 gigahertz processors. Most of them will be able to run faster than one gigahertz, but they're not all the same. They've simply spec them out so that the minimum speed that they'll all run safely at is one gigahertz, presumably. I mean, you could even have a bad one in there, but usually they test them out and, and throw away the ones that, that don't cut, you know, don't make it or sell those as 800 megahertz processors or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, chances are your processor is is actually rated to run faster than, you know, what you what you paid for it. Now, mm-hmm. Max. Other than this eMac thing, I don't know that I've ever seen a way of overclocking a Mac, uh, an out of the box Mac. You can certainly buy processor upgrade cards, and those you can overclock all day long, um, with varying again varying success. So, yeah. Did you mention um uh, no Sonnet? I didn't mention Sonnet, but they're a, they're a because uh, we've seen them at a lot of the shows. Yep. I, I don't. I I quickly looked at the site. I don't see eMac, but they may in fact make it. I'm just. Looking quickly, but but I, I I've actually used their stuff in an, in one of the old. Uh, remember one of the, the first iMacs? They had yep. a, a nice, uh, very nice upgrade board. So um, yeah, those are you know as long as the company is around to support it. Yeah. Uh, and the price differential is not you know where where you start getting to just buying a new machine. Well, to that's begin the with. thing. Yeah. It, if it's a five hundred dollar upgrade board and you've right. already paid however many hundreds of dollars, gee, maybe it's time to buy which another is sad computer. Because then you have this disposal nightmare. I think, uh, and yeah, computers have become disposable, right? I mean, they're just disposable consumer electronics in, in many ways, and that, that that's certainly an example of it. You know, it used to be you'd spend three or four, five grand on a desktop machine. To spend 500 bucks on a processor upgrade, that's a no-brainer. But when yeah. you spend a grand on a machine and you've got to spend, you know, even 300 bucks on a processor upgrade, it's like, mm. well, you know, your, your bus speed is never going to get faster. It's only the effective mm-hmm. speed of the processor. The multiplier is what changes. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. assuming it's stable, hey, you got the same computer. Right. It's just a little faster. Yeah. Everything's going to work as it did, as long as you know there's nothing quirky about the uh, the upgrade board. But uh, but the thing concerns me, you know, especially for the you know the tree huggers out there, <laughs> so, wow. is uh, you know this environmental thing. But no, I, I this and actually I do believe I've seen as of late Apple has a program where if you buy a machine and you have an old Apple yep. machine, they will for free. 
they'll take it uh, in. They'll eat the shipping on taking in the old machine, which is good because uh, at least where I'm at, and I think where you're at, maybe once a year they have like a hazardous yep. day where you bring in That's all right. the you know, horribly toxic stuff, which uh, people you, should you do. Were here, but... You were here for that, John. You got to help us lug all the stuff out to the edge of the uh, driveway. <laughs> Oh, you brought the to- you weren't supposed to leave the toxic stuff out. No, but you know what? Later. One thing you can't throw away here in <laughs> here in Durham is the uh, used propane tanks. They they simply won't take it. But uh, everybody knows that you you know everybody's metal. putting this stuff out. Well, it's but it might have propane in it, so they just don't want well, to mess with it. And uh, but somebody I put it out at the other. I put, I had one. It actually looked great, but it it didn't have the overflow valve in it, so no one would fill it. So mm. I put it out at the edge of the driveway, assuming that someone would take it long before the uh, the trash pickup ever happened. And, of course, that's exactly yeah. what happened. It wasn't out there five nice. hours. Yeah. So, hey, so uh, Jason emailed his question in, and uh, and you can do the same, or you can phone it in to 206-666-GEEK or email MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com to get your stuff answered. Uh, stuff. You know, there's there's this, been this kind of conversation happening out there on the web that uh, we haven't really mentioned, although I, I, I think we, we glossed over it, and that is that the MacBook Pro and the MacBook with their MagSafe power uh, connectors totally obs- made obsolete all of the airline power connect- power adapters. And the problem is, if you Thanks, get a... man. Yeah, well, it gets even worse, right? <laughs> but wait, there's less. Uh, if you... <laughs> if you you can go buy a power inverter, right? So you can plug into the little cigarette lighter, you know, jack on the airplane and then yeah. plug your plug your power adapter in. But those power inverters are so inefficient and the MacBook takes more wattage. I think it takes 85 or 90 watts and uh, yeah, air, and airlines give out 75. And if you're losing like 60% of that yeah. anyway in the conversion, it actually shuts off. So there is no known way, known reliable way of uh, of doing it right, you can. What some people have found is you can actually take the battery out so that it's not trying to charge the battery at the same time that it's powering the MacBook, and then that actually works. Um, other people have found that if you get the MacBook adapter as opposed to the MacBook Pro adapter, that that adapter is underpowered for the MacBook Pro, so it will uh, either either charge the battery or run the Mac, but not both at the same time. So that's another way around. Uh-huh. Now the other option there, is to bring your battery backup unit. Wow. On board with you. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty heavy, but yeah, and, they provide and, and, a good level of juice. So, And that'll slip through security. Okay couple, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay with, you know, probably a couple hundred pounds for you know, the serious ones. Yeah. And you can wheel that on the <laughs> <laughs> Uh but, but a guy named Mike, or, or as he likes to be known, Mike Giver, uh, has, has actually ripped it all apart and, and made an adapter, uh, a, a MagSafe adapter by by soldering a the, the the guts of a magsafe power adapter or magsafe ac adapter to a radio shack power converter so there is no inverter there it's just sending power directly through to it and uh and he's had good luck with it now i've got to go to ad tech uh in chicago i gotta fly out on sunday so he's gonna he's gonna send me one of these things hopefully and uh and i'll be able to report back on my my plane experience because he's never actually he, he's been able to test it in his car but but hasn't had an opportunity to test it on the plane so hopefully we can we can get to the bottom of this issue and but the, the big problem of course is that apple has a, a patent or a patent pending on the uh on the magsafe power adapter and that kind of leaves everybody waiting to see what's going to happen before uh, they go to build these uh, aftermarket things so hopefully somebody will figure it out maybe even apple will release one but in the meantime mike com. Uh, may be the option. 
hopefully in the next yeah. the next show we'll we'll have something to report. Why right, John? do that? Because it's cute mm-hmm. and it looks cool, and it's it's fun when you surprise people. But uh, I uh-huh. I I feel for the accessory vendors. All right, so uh, we actually have a new sponsor here. You rem- you might remember a couple yeah, of months how? ago we oh, uh, yeah. we talked about. Uh, these these sure the push push to hear sound isolating earphones that had this special uh, connector that that allowed you to hear outside conversation when you wanted and as it turns out sure is now uh, sponsoring uh, the show uh, and 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 they've uh, we don't have them yet but I believe a set of the earphones is is on the way for us to check out John but what these earphones do they're called the E five hundred push to hear and they have uh, this uh, inline adapter that that I believe is being sold also separately to uh, that you can use with any any earphones uh, and what it does is it 's got a little microphone in it now the microphone that 's in it is the same as the microphone in the sure cell phone headset so it 's kind of eq'd for human voice and mm. what it does is you press the button on this thing and it activates the microphone and cuts off the signal that 's coming in so whatever you 're hearing in your your headphones stops. And then you can hear conversation without having to pull your earphones out of your ear, which is very handy when you're, you know, on an airplane or whatever. And you see that, you know, the, the captain's talking or, or the steward, uh, flight attendant, I'm sorry, using old, old lingo. The flight attendant's right there. You hit this button and, uh, and you're good to go. Now, I mean, these aren't, these aren't, that's not the only cool feature of these headphones. They've got three drivers in them. I, I believe one tweeter and two woofers in each ear and they're isolating headphones. They're fully in ear. I think they block out, you know, what they say 90% is probably even more than 90% of the, the ambient noise. Like I said, we, we haven't tested them yet, so we don't know how comfortable they are, but uh, it, it's, and, it, and they even come with two cables. It comes with, I think a nine inch cable and a three foot cable that you can swap back and forth, which in addition to meaning you have more options also means that if you mess up your cable, you can just get a new cable, and you don't have to replace your earphones. So that is the Shure E500PTH. Uh, I believe – I don't know that they're available yet, but I, I, I believe they're about 550, uh, 550 bucks. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell us. Um, but they uh, – you can, you can check them out. We'll put a link in the show notes, of course. And uh, that's the Shure E500PTH. So, uh, yeah, we – but – we were talking about HDTV. Speaking of fun, expensive toys, uh, we were talking about HDTV last week, two weeks ago, before my vacation there, and uh, and Doug sent in some some questions and actually then had some answers for for our questions. So we'll let Doug uh, we'll let Doug take it away. Whoops. Hey guys, it's uh, Doug from Connecticut calling uh, again. I was just listening to your podcast, and you guys um, had played my comment about the um, TV. Uh, external firewire device by Elgato. A um, couple questions you had, and hopefully I might be able to answer them. I'll have to say this. I am not a complete uh, HTTV expert, and I'm sure there's a lot more people out there who are more knowledgeable about the uh, 2 a.m. and everything else, but I'll give a little a little go on what I know. Um, just to clear up, the ITV device is, is the device that can uh, decode the QAM signal, and that's through the, the external ITV 500 uh, box I have. Uh, the QAM, I believe, is what Comcast or other providers that broadcast um, their signals, which are then decoded by the device. Um, I have the HTTV package, which I have a nice big, huge pumpkin um, device hooked up to my plasma. I'd rather not have that upstairs where my Mac is located. So that's why I'm able to just take the uh, cable, plug it in, and decode those signals. Some things are encrypted, like HBO, and that's not clear. 
QAM that's encrypted, and unfortunately, I cannot play those. So um, I'm kind of limited on what I can see, but I, unfortunately, and I, I get about 30 stations, so it's not too bad. Um, Elgato also makes uh, add-on software for the ITV um, device called iHome, or I believe it's been renamed to iConnect. Um, that, let, that lets me take the signals that the ITV records, and they're mucked uh, MPEG files, which are, I guess, a mesh of uh, audio and video, and it then will broadcast those out of my Mac to any device in my house that can see them. And for me, I have my um, new link player hooked up to my home network at gigabit speed. So I'm able to watch any recordings I did with the ITV downstairs in my plasma just using the link player. Um, so it's nice. Uh, you know, like I said, file sizes are huge, but the quality is really nice, um, especially like Fox and other providers that um, really broadcast in higher definition rather than a, a, you know, a smaller feed. It's really nice to watch. So anyways, hopefully um, that might help serve some things. And uh, great show, guys. Keep up the good work. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, Doug. That, uh, what a that... geek. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's Geek of the Week. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we got to get one of those units and check it out. There seems to be a lot of interest. We actually had a couple of other comments about it, but uh, Doug's, Doug sort of ran the whole gamut, so we let we let Doug be the HDTV expert here. And... Uh, and run through it all. So, anything to add yeah. to that, John? Before we move on? No, no, we're setting up his office, and uh, yeah, we'll get him moved in. That's right. Get him on the on the payroll and on the bonus mm-hmm. schedule and all that good stuff. Oh. That's right. Yeah, but we got to give him your bonus, though, if you don't mind. Ugh. Another question for us. <laughs> I think. Hit the button. I did. Hi there, guys. Um, Long time listener, first time caller, and this is Dewan Stokes from uh, Dublin in Ireland. Uh, just a quick question for you guys. Uh, I work in a magazine, and one of the things we want to do is record a lot of our interviews uh, directly onto people's Macs. Now, I've looked at Audio Hijack Pro, but if you use that on a standard line in feed coming from a telephone, um, you get what I think is probably a feedback loop. Um, meaning that the conversation becomes extremely crackled. So I was wondering if you guys had any tips for how we might go about doing that. Uh, just so, so you understand, using a, a standard telephone um, mic jack, which you just plug into the uh, handset, and there's a line out which would work in any standard tip for it. Okay, cheers, guys. Thanks. John, you have uh, you, you said you had some thoughts on this, and then, of course, there's there's some... Uh, canned solutions to, to solve this as well, but oh, you, you, um, had, you had something to go tech, on. though, you know, I haven't seen this for a while, and I think it only works on older telephones, but you okay. probably used one of these, but uh, an inductive coupler. Oh. Have you seen these things? Yes. Yes, mm. absolutely. Okay. And I think Radio Shack may still have them, but basically on most telephones, though I would imagine it may be more difficult where they have smaller uh Elements, but basically, you know, without getting a physics lesson here, but basically if you have a speaker, most speakers which have a coil and a magnet, you can pick up what they're doing if you have another device uh, called an inductor that picks up what that thing's doing. So they had this thing for phones, you know, like especially the older phones that had, you know, the earpiece and the mouthpiece. If you put one of these inductors on the earpiece, now here's the difference, though, on the earpiece of older phones, because on older phones, 
and actually, I think all landline phones. New, new phones do it newer. too. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, new phones okay. do it too. Yeah, uh, but cell phones don't. But anyways, uh, what we're all used to is that landline phones, at least in the U.S. and maybe other countries, I don't know. Let us know. I'm interested. Um, you hear both sides of the conversation on the earpiece. So the strategy is you get one of these acoustic couplers, which goes out, I guess, to a mic or line level, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But you put it on the earpiece, which has both sides of the conversation. You then plug into an adapter. Like in this case, I was going to mention the, uh, I believe it's Griffin uh, iMic. Yeah? Because you may have to go, no, well, no, actually, most of those things are mic level. And yes, most Macs, at least the modern ones, are line level. Dave's had to deal with this, yes. no doubt, many times with uh, setting up boards like my board. Um, but to me, that's the low-tech solution. And then you just get a off-the-shelf thing like, uh, you know, some audio recording utility um audacity uh, off the top of my head is a nice one and there yep. you go but that's you know the poor man's and uh you know everything is free except for that you know thing is probably like 10 bucks <laughs> um but uh you know you can get a, a audio recording utility and then you have to keep track of it yourself but um dave i think has a you know, we've uh, we've talked with some of these vendors, but uh, yep. I think Dave has another option. There, there is another option. Uh, the and we used it for the show once when John's cable modem was out. We we actually did the show over uh, standard landline. Effectively, I, I wound up talking on my Vonage line, but it didn't matter. It, as far as as far as all the technology that mattered concerned, it was a landline uh, based conversation, and we used Parliance phone valet. And what it is, is it's a little device that plugs uh, one end, actually has a, a RJ11 modular connector, which is the standard phone jack. And you plug that into your phone jack. And then the other end goes USB into your Mac. And you can use this to do exactly what this guy's talking about and what we did, which is to record a conversation similar to, to exactly what John and I are doing right now, albeit at lesser quality, um, just because of the way that that works. Uh, phones, you know, Skype is running right now. We're running at what five to seven k a second, and that's in, that's mm -hmm. compressed, so it might even effectively turn out to be more than that. The phone, I think, I believe the phone maxes out at what three k at the very top end. So yeah. the, the quality's going to right. yeah, the quality's going to be less. But it, you know, from from those of you, and you can go back and listen to the show. I can't remember exactly what number it was, but I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to it, or you can search for it. Uh, where we talked about this this product called Parliant Phone Valet. It's I think about 170 bucks, and it comes with in in addition to this piece of hardware, it comes with some software that will also allow you to do the whole answering machine thing. You can call her ID with your Mac, and you know a thing pops up on the screen when someone's calling, and you can route it to voicemail and all this other other stuff. Uh, you know, call screening obviously with that. You can do the voice dialing and and all that stuff. So you're buying more than you would need if this is your only. Uh, purpose to to get it, but it works really really well for exactly that. Uh, I ha I don't know if it works on Intel Max yet. Not off the top of my head. Did you happen to uh, to catch that, John? Nope. No, they, they okay. got uh, quite a bit on their page there. But, okay. Uh, no, nothing nothing about Universal yet, huh? So check that out. Uh, now I see it. Universal phone valet. Now I see the icon. Okay. Hey, look for the icon. It kind of looks like a little uh, yin yang mm -hmm. thing. I don't know if we covered that. Well, I'm, I'm sure they have a Apple has a page for that because that's yeah. important. So phone valet at least uh, does have a Universal Excellent. version. Well, there Excellent. you go. There you go. So and it works. It works really well. You know, I had not, and I said this the night that we did the the show. 
we, we of course, did not plan to have this problem, but John, you, you know, had whatever technical difficulty caused his cable uh, modem to be out. And so we had to set it up at the last minute. And it, it probably took, what, maybe 10, 15 minutes to get to the point where we were up and running. Of course, I didn't open the manual or anything, but that's just because I'm a geek. Uh, it, but yeah. it, it really wasn't that difficult to get going. So. That's, I think uh, the problem is it was a cheap piece of junk, but I returned it, and they gave it. Not, not, the, not the phone valet? The, the, your cable modem, you oh, mean? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, phone valet worked just fine, so uh, for the most part. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh. so speaking of, speaking of other things, last week we, we chose not to do a show, A, because I wasn't sure what, what our broadband options would be while we were on vacation, and B, I, frankly, I needed a break. I, I, it had been about seven years since I unplugged from the grid, and, uh, and though I didn't you fully— were, were you totally unplugged? No, I, I wasn't. It, last week was, was the dry run for both me and, and all the people that, that I interact uh. with on a, on a daily basis to kind of figure out how to do this, because in December we're going on a, a week-long Disney cruise with the, with the kids— and, oh, cool! And I and I fully intend to unplug one hundred percent for the entire week. So this week, I actually never checked email on my laptop. I did the cell phones worked on the island. We were on an island on on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is here in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and uh, cell phones worked. So I had you know email constantly coming into my trio, and I would just glance through it maybe once a day, and and uh, and that was about it. That was that was the extent of my my own personal attachment. Of course. Being there yeah. with with my wife's family and uh, and all their various computer woes, I I'm sure I had a computer in my hand at least once a day, solving their various issues and and that sort of thing. But so that, that's you fine. didn't go cold turkey. I did not go cold turkey. That's right. They they but they're on an island, right? <laughs> so it, they do have a phone line there, and and in previous years have had dial up. Uh, there's no way to get DSL there. It's too far. Obviously, cable modem is out. But what they did do this year is they set up a satellite connection, and this totally fit in with our, you know, our whole conversation uh, a couple of months back about different internet access options. Uh-huh. And you know, the satellite dish they got it through a company called Wild Blue, which actually partnered with their local electric company, believe it or not. Uh, uh-huh. And it's the electric company that comes out and installs this thing. And once it's set up and running, it actually works fairly well. They they opted for what they call the Pro package, which was uh, 1.5 megabits down. And 256K up, and I used the Speakeasy speed test to, to check it a, a number of times from their machines there, and I got exactly my 1.5 down and about 200K up. So, it, you know, it was it was pretty darn close. There were some interesting things, though. My uh, my wife's dad, and, you know, you, I, I'm going to take a, a minute here and, and apologize kind of for uh, – I had somebody email in that, that said uh, we, we smack our lips a lot on this show. And frankly, it's because yeah, it's because we're we're jabbering here and taking drinks, and like I just did, I'll take a quick sip, and you'll hear me come back and and smack my lips as I get close to the mic. So, uh, I'm not sure that that's going to change, but uh, I figured I'd address it. And it's, it, it, it's live, you know. I mean, yeah, it's that way it goes. And we gotta live. <laughs> there you go. So uh, the uh, <laughs> sorry. So the uh, but but my father-in-law uh, in his business uh, where you know he's based out of he's got an exchange server that he uses for his email and then uh, my wife's sister uh, is heading away to college in the in the fall and her school uh, also has an exchange server for the student email and they were both trying to get into their Outlook web access and neither one of them would work. It would it would let you log in, and if you were using IE again on, on Windows or, or Safari on the Mac, the 
the response was you would get uh, you know this you'd log in and then it would say this page cannot be found, which didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. And if you were using Firefox, it just repeatedly kept asking you to log in. Didn't really make sense to me. Um, couldn't get it. Couldn't figure it out. Uh, tried it on Macs. Tried it on PCs. It didn't matter. You know, no, no, no dice. And then I remembered my VPN here at home. I, I or at the office rather. I set up a, a VPN in my in my Linksys router. I have one of the WRT fifty four G series routers, and uh, installed the the Sviasoft Alchemy firmware. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that. It's a, a freely mm-hmm. available piece of firmware that includes a, a PPTP VPN server. And so I, I had that installed, and I use it when I travel. I thought, well, let me try this. And so I connected to the VPN server, and sure enough, instantly was able to get into webmail. I thought, well, this is really weird. And I called Wild Blue Tech Support, and they said, well, yeah, there's this proxy uh, gateway thing that you're supposed to use. But when I tried to, to look up, it was this wpad.wildblue.net or dot, dot, dot com, rather, uh, mm-hmm. which was where their, their proxy configuration file lived. But that, that never resolved to anything, even using their DNS servers. So uh, we set that up on one machine and, and set up HTTP 1.1 proxying and actually got one of them to work directly. I don't know why. It didn't make any sense. Uh, but the rest of the machines, regardless of how we set them up, with or without the Wildblue proxy server, did not work. So I had to teach them how to VPN here into my office and get out to get their webmail. Interestingly, Skype had the same problem. Huh. It had been working for them up until about two weeks ago, and they said, gosh, you know, we just can't get on Skype. And I went nuts trying to fix my brother-in-law's computer because he's got uh, – his girlfriend is down in Australia, and, you know, they're trying to stay in touch, and the phone cards aren't cheap, but Skype, of course, is free. Mm-hmm. And I went through the same rigmarole, and then, you know, I, I reinstalled Service Pack 2 on his machine. We cleaned out all the spyware, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing left. You know, the machine worked fine. I said, well, let's try the VPN again. And we tried the VPN, and instantly he was able to connect through Skype, um, so, which means that the satellite connection can support it, even though the latency – the latency's high. <laughs> latency's like 500 milliseconds on this satellite connection. It's, you know, and that's, that's like best-case scenario. Most of the time it's maybe 750. But, uh, but the Skype connection works fine when they VPN through, uh, through my office here, so – I don't. Uh, I don't get it. If any of you use Wild Blue and you and you know any of this, uh, any of this mojo, or if, you, if you've run into it, please, uh, please, please let us know because I'd, I'd sure love to get them off the VPN here. But if that's what we've got to do, that's what we've got to do. So, mojo, mojo, and if you have the mojo, two zero six 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 geek or Mac Geek Gab at MacObserver dot com, of course, is the place to email all that stuff in. Right, John? Yow, yow. <laughs> hey. uh... Did you uh, did you see that link to, to this new piece of software called Rue Switch that I sent you? No. You yes. It. It, it, it's I, actually I glanced. Okay, it's a cool <laughs> piece of software. What what it does is it it lets you change. It lets you have sets of files for different purposes, and and really this this applies to to those of us that are geeks. If you're a, a software developer, of course, there's there's times where you'd want different sets of preference files and different sets of data files to test things with without messing with your original data. Or if you're a beta tester, or even if you just want to have you know backup sets of prefs for specific applications, you can certainly do that. You know, if you've got a email set up. At, at the office and email set up at home, you can switch them back and forth and wind up using the same program. And and RuSwitch will actually do this. It's from, uh, of course, Rubasoft. And uh, it, I haven't haven't 
played with it a whole lot, but uh, but it sure looks it sure looks pretty cool. And I wanted to wanted to mention it because it sure seemed like the kind of thing that uh, that you geeks would enjoy. Because I know it it sounds like the kind of thing I would enjoy. And I'm, I'm sure there will be a time within the next week here where I start to use this this thing. You know what I mean, John? Uh, no. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, probably sounds better than creating a separate user. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, uh, a separate user would 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 solve that, but it would also kind of be clunky because you can't use it while interacting with the rest of your stuff and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's it. So. Do you want to hear what Kevin had to say, John? Kevin. Kevin. Uh, it's Kevin, right? It's Kevin. I think it's Kevin. Why is this acting so weird tonight? All right, here it goes. I think. You know, the computer that it's pulling this data from is downstairs. Hey, John and Dave. Oh, hey, Kevin. This is Kevin. I know. I live in Weifang, China. Oh. About talking on the phone and driving, I agree with John. Oh. Dave mentioned oh. a study that claimed that talking on the phone was no more distracting than talking with a person in the passenger seat. I doubt this is true, and here's why. In general, speaking with someone on the phone requires more concentration than speaking with someone in person. We humans communicate a lot of information through body language, tone of voice, and even the way we breathe. However, a lot of that information doesn't come through over the telephone. Take a barely audible sigh, for instance. Could you hear it? No. This means that in order to understand the person on the other end of the line and to make oneself understood, we have to focus more of our attention on the telephone conversation than we otherwise would. Skeptical? Try this. Find a person who isn't a native speaker of English and doesn't have the greatest command of the English language. Give that person a set of instructions over the phone. Maybe you could ask them to meet you for dinner at a certain restaurant one evening. Then, when you're at the restaurant, make plans for another dinner with them face-to-face. Once you've tried this little experiment, you tell me which was easier for you, talking over the phone or talking in person. All right, now that's a point well taken, and and I think I, I know the solution here, it, because that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Of course, talk, you know, the, the lacking the visual element of that conversation uh, – Certainly, yes. certainly makes it so that you have to concentrate more. So that means that we need to in- install video chat devices in all of our cars, <laughs> right? Isn't that what that means? No. Uh, See, I can't imagine they would allow that. That's already outlawed in this country, by the way. You cannot have yeah. a television screen in front of the driver, but good. in front of the back of the yes, which I agree is good. His point is well taken, though. Uh, I didn't mean to discount it yes. that much, but uh, but we need to be careful how we argue these things because uh, because his argument set it up perfectly for us to install video cameras in everyone's car and monitors. Really, what it comes he, he made a good point though. It, it comes down to concentration, right? What mm-hmm. and 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 abstracting that the distraction level, right? I mean, that's yes. that's really what it comes down to. You know that that I'm, test that said that drunk drivers. Uh, or that driving drunk was, you know, on par, or talking on a cell phone was on par with driving drunk. Probably, I, I think a, a, a big portion of that, and if you read the test results, it said that the people that drove drunk were, you know, driving more slowly and, and more, you know, deliberately because they knew that they were being impaired. I think the the issue with the cell phone is 
And they're oblivious. They're, right. You're, you, they you don't think, realize they're exactly. driving like jackasses. Wow. There it is. <laughs> it's true. Did you say that? Uh, you just did. I'm not, I'm not going to edit it out. I'm lazy. Uh, it's too much work. But, but I think it's, it's overload. Because uh, I had a conversation Correct. with one of, my, one of my coworkers today who listens to the show. Um, hi, Austin. Um, hey, man. We were talking about that just today. Yeah. Um, and he's done a lot of HCI work as well. Okay. And uh, I think he, he, he was along the same line is that, you know, there's a point where there's all these social conventions with a face-to-face conversation um, or a person-to-person in a car conversation that yep. you lose when you're just on a telephone. The other person doesn't – the expectation is that blah, 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 back and forth right. without any, any yep. realization of the person on the other side, not that they should. Right. Uh, know what your state is. And, but, you know, it's kind of scary because I'd say I'd probably go with you on that. That Well, get video. Then they can see. Yeah. Well, they need a 360 video to see your entire environment to determine whether there's too much happening. That's right. Uh, in order to, before they can talk to you. Uh, but, you know, so the thing is, and, and I agree, talking on the phone clearly is more distracting than not talking on the phone. It's yes. arguable, and talking to someone in the car is more distracting than not talking to someone in the car. Now, the, the degrees of that, well, given the same conversation, I, I, I can see where it can be argued that the cell phone conversation is more distracting than the, the person-to-person conversation. But they're both distracting, right? As are many, and, many other things, right? Can, can we both agree you should get the Jettison Kids uh, well, yeah, option? Right, yeah, that's the thing, right? If you're talking to your kids in the back of the car, they're not necessarily aware. Now, I, I mean, I say that... Not so and, much talking, but they're beating each other up. Yeah, well, I mean... You've got to deal with the situation. I've got a four-year-old <laughs> and a six-year-old, and, you know, as I'm saying this, the, the point that I was going to make was, well, talking to the kids, they're not aware of what's going on around, but they really are. You know, my kids actually help me. They'll tell me when cars are coming as I'm backing out and that sort of thing, and, and they, they know what to look for. So, and they know, you know, kids know streets and, and all that stuff far And the earlier. logos for their favorite places to go. They, and, and they know those golden arches. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they do. They know it long before they can read anything. Um, for your children. Yeah, it's the way it goes. So, but so if we we've, we've determined that that being distracted while driving is a bad thing, when that distraction hits a certain point, it it, it seems like everybody that that emails in either just wants to argue with me or yeah, you know, <laughs> or, or 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 just agrees that talking to a person in the car is below the acceptable level of distraction, and talking to a person on the phone is above the acceptable level of distraction. Indeed. Right? I mean, that. okay. What about music listening, right? I mean, that's that can be a very distracting thing, especially if you're mm. singing along with it, right? That can be ex- ex- one more level of distraction. Uh, to me, that's rather passive, that the lyrics are probably burned in your head. Now, audiobooks, on the other hand, uh, right? they now, may take, like if you're doing a, especially a learning course, one, right? Le- courseware, exactly. Then yeah. I can, because actually, I, I remember back, um, you know, when CBs were popular. Oh yep. boy, am I dating myself? But Sorry. I remember one time I was at a light talking, engaged in a CB radio conversation. Yeah, and someone beeped at me because I was totally zoned. That's it. And I, I was just so going to say, my world. Yeah, yep. which which makes me think. Also, I mean, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know. For the most part, professional law enforcement and fire and all that. And yep. when they're yacking on their radios, which uh, I it's guess a lot of the time, probably yeah. not in fashion anymore. But you know, listening to that sort of thing used to be kind of fun, or at least you and I did it for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, these guys, 
Um, well, that's why they got the lights and the sirens. So yeah, so we get out of their way while they're yakking on the radio. Uh, but but let me ask you this: you you said that you know you had people beep at you because you you didn't realize that the light had changed. How many times? And I know this has happened to me. I'll be driving along, singing a song, and and you know, being a musician and a, and a singer, I I may I may treat that differently than than someone who's not a singer, but. I know I've missed turns, not not so much turns on back roads, but certainly missed exits on the highway uh, when I was um, totally involved in the music, totally zoned out and realized, oh, wow, I haven't really been paying attention to, you know, a, a level of what I of, of what's going on around yeah. me. I think if someone swerved in front of me I, that I would have caught. Right. But, you know, but it, watching yeah. the exit signs. Um, no, nope, those are just a blur. Not me, actually, because I okay. have this this state of mild rage when I'm driving that keeps me tuned and see. I don't know that a attentive. state of mild rage is what we want with our drivers, though. We well, want them annoyance relaxed. with oh the gosh. idiocy surrounding me. <laughs> yeah, so, but I'm like a four-hour drive. You know, that kind of, you, they, you kind of dull out. Well, with you don't that. see a lot of idiocy, right? Well, yeah, on a, yeah, on a four-hour drive, you may not. That's right. <laughs> you know, but okay. So, so what? Uh, what verbs. are what are other things that could distract you? Right? Should people be messing with their radios or their iPods while they're driving, and, no. and choosing new songs or any of that? No, but no. but it's accepted because it's been happening for years, right? I mean, people have been screwing no with way, their, man. People have been screwing with their CD players and their radios forever. Right? Yeah, the, but I gotta say, no, an iPod is not a device that you want to operate while driving. No, Radios every, are kind of designed for it. If they have two knobs, it's kind of easy. Yeah, but you're still focusing on something else. Why is that yeah. not above the acceptable level of distraction? Right up until well, recently, and it may still be true, there were more. Act, I know, I know, as of as of like three or four years ago, there was a study that came out. So there was probably four uh, or five years before, you know, four or five years ago, uh, that cell phones. Everybody was complaining about cell phones back then. And a study came out that said, yeah, cell phones certainly contribute to, to you know, driver error, but there are still more accidents caused by people futzing with the radio than anything else in the car. So, you know, it, I believe that's now above this, this acceptable yeah. level. Yeah, but, but how, how are you going to bust somebody for futzing with the radio? How are you going to bust somebody for talking on the phone? Because you see the phone and they have the phone and there's proof that they were naughty. What if what if I install a, a microphone? No, seriously. I mean, a lot of cars come with this now. A built-in mic and the and the sound of the phone comes through the the car speakers. Well, then you don't get busted. Right, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just like if you have the you know back in our day the radar detector that yeah you could kind of turn off and was hidden and wasn't hanging on the dash. I mean, there's, right. there's certain behaviors, and this is going to get into another show, but yeah. there's certain behaviors that attract attention. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And one is blah, 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 while you're sideswiping people yes. on the highway while everybody's yes. going 80 miles an hour. See, I guess I that. guess my, my problem is is this all, you know, kind of heads toward this whole prior restraint thing, right? I mean, it, it, if someone mm. can effectively drive a vehicle while talking, uh, while, while managing a conversation on the phone... And not get themselves into trouble. That's yeah. not a problem. I also agree that if someone can can drive a vehicle under the influence of more alcohol than someone else and not get into trouble, that's okay too. Ooh. Right? I mean, it, it, it is. Why? Why restrain Mad's someone? Mad, Mad's going to get mad at you. Yeah. Well, you know that's how it goes. No. <laughs> uh, it's that's just their uh, job. you know. It, but here's here's another thing, right? I mean. Suppose you you get some really bad news, and I mean really bad news. You know, the death of a loved one, it, something, re and then you got to get in the car and go somewhere. 
It, should you be driving then, or are you then above that acceptable level of distraction? Right? I mean, wh- where do we draw the line, and how do you police this? I think the way you police it, unfortunately, and not not unfortunately, I think the way you police it is if someone does something wrong on the road, and there are rules. You know, you cannot drive your car across the yellow line. You can't crash yeah. into someone. You can't speed. Yada yada yada. Right. If you break that rule, well, it doesn't matter what caused you to break that rule. The The only speeding ticket I ever got was because I was not paying attention to the road. It was a Saturday morning, and I had Van Halen cranked in my in my truck, and that was it. I, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention. I was off to see a client, and that was the only thing I had to do that day, and I wanted to get there and back. And I cranked up Van Halen because it was 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I needed to wake up, and I blew right past a motorcycle cop, and uh, that was the end of that. So mm-hmm, there you go. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That's uh, that's our story. Oh. Man, it's a good to get a rant out. Man, did you leave him outside? Oh my god! Yesterday, Dude, it's so hot. Yesterday, I don't want to hear it. Yesterday, it was a hundred degrees here in in, uh, in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, yeah, and uh, it was the hottest day we of the year. Nineties today. Yeah, hottest day of the year, and you know, I, I uh, in addition to the the knockoff band that uh, that I play in, you know, up and down the seacoast here. Uh, I also play with with my neighbors, and it's just this kind of this very loose jam thing, and uh, and and one of the uh, one of the guys was having a, a block party, and so we played outside uh, at his at his house yesterday. We started at one thirty in the afternoon. There was uh-huh. no shade, and we were playing on his driveway. Uh, huh. It was it was so ridiculously hot. It was the hottest I've ever been at a gig. So you know, but could be worse. Hotter yeah. than. Redfish bone. It was much hotter than than uh, than red fish bone. So <laughs> whatever, the whatever that, that means. means. <laughs> uh, uh. So next week, I don't I don't know what our schedule is for next week, John. I I have to go to uh, Ad Tech Sunday through something Sunday through Tuesday Sunday ads? through Wednesday. Say that again. Ad Tech. Ad Tech. It's about ads. Yeah, it's about ad technologies. Get it. The whole ad tech thing. Ad so, te- Ooh, uh, good one. We, we maybe I don't know if I can make it work from the road, or if we'll have to do it like Wednesday when I get back, or something. If that uh, if that yeah, works for I'm, for you, I'm flexible. You're flexible, flexible. next week. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget to go to Portable Media Expo. That's uh, in September. It's coming up fast. Of course, I'm this will be there. You, yeah. Ricky, right? Yeah, I think so. We got to figure right. it out. We don't know. It's it's far away. Travel schedule. You're talking about a, one of those a sponsor. Things. Talking about a sponsor, we did sure. About them. Yep, the the, the sure E five hundred push to hear earphones, and uh, you'll hear some more about them on a future show as well. And uh, hopefully, John and I'll be able to check those out. Yeah, they look nice before we talk about them again. Uh, Cashfly, of course, is the hosting provider from whom you downloaded this show. The Backbeat Media Podcast Network is the place where you go to purchase the ads on this show, and uh, and that's that's all I got. I don't know about you, John, but uh, I'm ready to go. I'm finished. Are you? Mm-hmm. I guess finished is the right word. We don't use done, right? Unless we're talking about food in the kitchen. Dinner Complete. is done. The podcast is finished. It's over. Over? I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Get caught.